Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Second episode, second official episode of the Pace Labs podcast. I'm RJ Starstick here, along with my co-host Matt Narvaez, uh, joining me once again. Now we're in a little different location than the USF Podcasting Studios, but it'll still do. Still do and we're going to get this show on the road. So we're first going to recap uh, Michigan, and I'll you know kind of let you explain what this win means to Chris Buescher and RFK Racing. We explained last week what this win meant at Richmond, uh, you know, what it meant to them and their team and how important it was. And now you come into Michigan, kind of Kevin Harvick-esque of last year, um, winning two races in a row. You win Richmond and you win Michigan, although last year it was flip-flopped. But either way, it's two wins in a row, holding off, you know, one of the best in the game right now. I think the championship favorite, or at least one of the championship favorites, Martin Truex Jr., um, holding him off in a dead heat like that, I think, um, you know, is huge to boost the confidence for himself in that team. So what do you think, you know, how, how much of a statement victory really is this win? You know, obviously last week was a statement when we felt we kind of both agreed on, but now do you feel like this one is even more of a statement victory? Now you got two wins, more playoff points, and you're even further up in the playoff picture now. Definitely. This is a huge statement win, like way more than last week, because like you said, two wins in a row and you're beating the number 19 car, the number one car in the series. Um, it's great to be back here on the Pace Lops podcast before we dive right in. Uh, amazing to get number two episode underway. And Chris Buescher is the winner of both of the episode reviews. So I would have never imagined that in my life, first off, uh, to have RFK winning two races, uh, Brad Kozlowski in victory lane as an owner. Um, yeah, no, this is uh, this is huge for that team. A huge statement win. Like I said, beating the number 19 car in the last 20 laps there. Potentially one of the most exciting finishes we've seen to a race in some time. And I was listening to some other podcasts and I'm thinking to myself, this is probably one of the most exciting Michigan races we've seen as well. And they've got they went over it a little bit. I believe that I mean, from recent memory, I can't even think about a more exciting Michigan race lately. I mean, Kevin Harvick winning was great last year because that was his first uh, of two back-to-back wins, as you noted. And yeah, it, there's no Michigan race that comes to my mind that's been more exciting than this one, especially with the finish that we had. And the race was great first off. I mean, when when I stopped Sunday, I was really upset because the racing was so great. But I knew Monday when we would come back, there would be a little bit of a- angst with how the rain is and how that could come back th- throughout the day and stop the race once again. And we only had 25 laps to finish. So my worry was that we were going to get 30, 40 more laps in. It would rain because there was talk about uh, rain all day Monday and then us having to come back Tuesday. For Monday, I'm glad that they were able just to run the rest of the race and we were able to see that out. Um, yeah, so like you said, RFK, Brakizowski, um, Chris Buescher, huge. Now we're just waiting for that six car to get in victory lane. Exactly. I waited for the six car to victory lane. He's been in, you know, victory lane now twice as an owner this year, once last year as well. Um, but now looking to get himself in victory lane. He had a fourth place finish at Michigan, his home, uh, his technically his home track. Uh, obviously, yeah. he said, I think uh, he wants to get a win at that track more than he does the Daytona 500. 
um, which definitely can show how important that race means to him. Now, we went to Michigan last week, and I predicted that it was going to be a Toyota race. I thought I predicted uh, 2311 um, as my two guys that, um, you know, I thought were going to do very well. And they were fast. Tyler Reddick was very fast. Um, unfortunately, his picker said, no, um, you will not be winning this race uh, under our conditions. Um, Bubba Wallace was pretty fast during the race as well, but I think just strategy kind of just fizzled them out and he ended up with an 18th place finish. Um, but it was really Tyler Reddick man in the show. And unfortunately, you know, the pit crew, uh, screws it up. That is really a, no other way to put it. Uh, he was pretty pissed off. I think rightfully so. Um, you know, you got two Toyotas inside the top three. You got Martin Truex Jr. Finished second, came so close. Denny Hamlin, who was right there, but really couldn't do anything in third place. So, um, Toyota, in my opinion, I think, you know, we talked about the manufacturers last week. Do you feel like they've kept the momentum going here? Um, although they didn't get the win, um, you feel like they've keeping the momentum here. And do you think Tyler Reddick, um, is, is rightfully upset and you think he's going to take this, uh, aggression, you know, for the rest of the year? Yeah. For your first question, the manufacturers, I think the momentum is definitely with RFK at Ford. I would say the rest of Ford is still questioning themselves a little bit. You know, just RFK. <laughs> yeah, just RFK is pretty safe, honestly. Um, and then we got, uh, yeah, I would say Toyota is still number one, only because when your satellite team is still faster than some parts of your main team, like 2311 Tyler Reddick, I would say is like the second or third, maybe third um, fastest Toyota this past weekend. So yeah. when your satellite team is really quick, that means that all six cars are running really, really well. And you'll have an eighth car this weekend at the Indianapolis Road Course which is throwing a whole nother little curveball yeah. on all, all this, you know, Toyota is going to have another fast car out there with a potentially capable winning driver. Um, so the momentum is just keeps on rolling. I would say the momentum, like I said, is with RFK and, and Chris Buescher, but we do see Toyota still fast week in and week out. Chevrolet was kind of missing. Uh, Kyle Busch expected to have a big day, but of course had a spin in the beginning of the race. So, yeah, I would say uh, Toyota's still on top. Um, when you're able to be really fast the last month, there was no surprise to me that Richmond, a short track, they were fast and able to translate their speed over to a big track like Michigan. Um, there's no surprise in that. And Toyota's going to keep on bringing fast stuff to the track, especially with the 19 and the 11. All weekend, though, this is something I had a problem with, was the 11 kept on saying that he had as as fast as a car as Martin Truex Jr., but he just had to get on the strategy or he had to get up in front of the race, uh, in front of the field. Well, stage two finish was really exciting because Martin <laughs> Truex Jr. was able to just fly through the top, what, 12 drivers and win the stage. It was 2.6 seconds with six laps to go. And he was able to get Suarez on the final lap, final corner off turn four. Now, that was with, what, 30, 40 lap pressure tires, I think, maybe even more than that. Um, so yeah, we saw Martin do that. I know those tires were, were fresher, but the 19 car was clearly on rails towards the midpoint of that race, or maybe the beginning part of, uh, the Monday race. Denny was never like that. In my opinion, Denny never had that pure outright speed. It took him a little while to kind of get through the field. Then he wouldn't even crack the top two. It's not like it was the 19 and the 11 running mirroring, mirroring each other because of their speed. So that's something I had a problem with. It was like the 11 car had a lot of talk, but it wasn't like up there. He wasn't, he wasn't, you know, actually running up front. And that would have been no surprise to me. It would have been, you know, easy to believe that Denny was just as fast as Martin if he was up there right next to Martin, you know? Um, but yeah, it, it was uh, overall, like you said before, it was an exciting race. Like I said, it was an exciting race, but yeah, Martin and uh, 
and Denny still the class of the field, I would say. Yeah. You know, and, you know, switching gears now from the cars that, you know, had good runs on Sunday. Let's talk about their Sunday and Monday. Let's talk about the cars that maybe didn't have as good as runs as they would have hoped. You mentioned Kyle Busch, um, not really in a, you know, in a playoff situation right now, but really just trying to gain momentum. You know, they, they most of their wins came in the earlier part of the year. So I know they're just trying to gain traction. So another crashing out of another race isn't, unfor- you know, is very unfortunate for them. But I do believe that they'll be able to get this momentum back as the playoffs begin. But two guys that really stick out to me um, and we can talk about some more you know, in a little bit, but Chase Elliott, Alex Bowman, those have been the two guys that have been on everybody's radar. Are they in must win situations or can they point themselves in? So it's kind of been back and forth each week, you know, whether they've had good or bad weeks and it's like, okay, maybe they can point their way in. And then the next week they have a bad one. They're like, okay, now nah, they need to win. Um, So after this week, you know, both of them crash out Chase Elliott with the tire issue. Alex Bowman gets in a big restart melee on the back straight away and he crashes out. So now Bowman, 44 points back, Chase Elliott, 55 points back. We got two road courses right ahead of us, Indianapolis, Watkins Glen, and we go into Daytona. Is it must-win time for both of these drivers, in your opinion? Uh, Definitely, yeah, I think so. I mean, even – I don't want to say mathematically because I think that's wrong. Ty Gibbs, Daniel Suarez, how good of road course racers these guys are there's definitely going to be uh, a certain amount of urgency. Um, and this is full out win. I mean, even Chase Elliott said it in his post, uh, post rank interview at the care center. He said that um, I've been telling you guys since I came back that the win was needed to make it to the playoffs. Alex Bowman, in my opinion, the win was always needed only because the guy wasn't running consistent enough. And that's been a problem in his whole career. We've talked about that before. Consistency, consistency hasn't always been there. So, yeah, it, it's definitely a must win for the 48. It's definitely a must win for the nine. And you said one other driver in there or no? Um, well, in the in the discussion, yeah, I think, well, I just had mentioned the Bowman and Elliott. The at two Andrew guys, time. okay. And then we yeah. can, next we can talk about all those guys kind of in a point situation right now. But just for first, yep. those guys in the must win situation. I agree with what you're saying. I think Elliott. Definitely must win. Bowman must win. We thought Bowman more so Elliott just because he had yep. running as consistent. Well, yeah, Chase was doing great. We mentioned last week. Yeah. I mean, I said he was gaining 10 points every single week. Now, obviously, that's a that's a perfect world to keep continue to decrease it all the way to Daytona. Daytona is a crazy race. Things can shift any lap, like you said last week. I remember that. And, yeah, it's, um, it's definitely a win for the nine car and just as much as the 48 now. Does he get it done? These, I know we said there's a lot of variables at the road courses. Um, I know this wasn't your main question, but I think the nine car, they might, they might, they might get it done. I know they may not have the speed, but he was running up front at Watkins Glen last year, anyways. So get a little bit of a stride here, go and have a good indie road course. Drivers are good at their tracks, and Watkins Glen is definitely a track of Chase Elliott's. I mean, he has two career wins there, I believe. His first career win came there. So there's nothing taking away from that nine car at Watkins Glen. I would say the 48's missing the playoffs, maybe Daytona, but Bowman hasn't shown me anything that he would win at a road course outright, especially over the Toyotas. Yeah, and one of them winning a race would shake up what is becoming a really great playoff bubble battle right now that we haven't seen in a few years with all the chaos that we've seen. So many winners. We haven't really had like a playoff bubble battle that I think is, you know, it's being talked about, but I think it's a little bit underrated at this point in time. I, f- I feel like we're, we're not talking about it enough. You know, we got Ty Gibbs here, plus three. 
has had a great, very consistent season. He's really just done everything he needs to do in his rookie year um, to stay consistent, stay up there. And I feel like he's getting better by the week as well. And then you got Michael McDowell, who kind of hurt his playoff chances this weekend at Michigan. But on the flip side, you got two road courses coming up. I think those can be very strong for him. Daniel Suarez is back five. And then just a little bit further back is AJ Elmendinger at minus 24. But I think what makes this really interesting is because I'm looking at this playoff bubble battle here is two races because Daytona is wild card. Anything can happen. You don't want to be in a points battle going into Daytona. Two road course races. And I think all four drivers here in the in this little points battle playoff picture are all great at road courses. You got Ty Gibbs, strong at road courses. Michael McDowell, strong at road courses. Daniel Suarez. Pretty strong at road courses, has a win, you know, last year at Sonoma. And obviously, A.J. Allmendinger, the name speaks for itself. So I think what's really cool is that we're going into these two road course, you know, wild card races. But all four of these drivers are very capable of running top 10 this weekend. Um, and I think that'll be very exciting to see, along with Chase Elliott being in a must-win situation, along with Austin Sindrick, who, like, you know, hasn't had a great year. He is 53 points back. Probably, honestly, probably ran his best race of the year at Michigan, to be honest. Like, I feel like the fact that he was in the top 15, even top 10 for more than, you know, a good amount of the race, probably they ran their best race of the year, honestly. I have not seen them run as good all year. Maybe they've had the finishes, you know, at the end of these chaotic races where they've, you know, just somehow finished top 15 or top 10. But as far as, like, running good, like, you know, they had speed and they didn't really fall off. Like, they ran pretty well. The majority of the race um and then somebody you know we can watch as i don't think is like a road course winner but eric jones unfortunately it seems like they've turned the heat on a little bit too late in the season as obviously they're 121 points back in the playoffs but eric jones has run really well lately um at these recent racetracks obviously just ran really well at michigan kind of catching some fire here for legacy motor club as the team seems like it's caught on fire eric jones has been able to uh kind of hold it down a little bit and kind of cut the shining light. Oh man. Yeah. And we can talk about the future of the 42 car here in a little bit. Um, and what that means, obviously with them switching to Toyota next year, but um, you know, he's also in that conversation. So Daytona could provide us a crazy wildcard winner, but like, you know, that does kind of bring up a question. Do you, do you want this playoff battle? Would you rather have this playoff points battle kind of fizzle out until Daytona? Or do you want some like wild card winners to come through these next three weekends? Oh, that's a great question. Yeah, that's a great question. Um, the playoff bubble battle, to be honest, because then, uh, then I feel like it's like Todd Gillen wins and it was just pointless. Right, exactly. <laughs> well, respect to Todd Gillen. He's been doing yeah, pretty yeah, no, decent. Like, he makes the playoffs. Positions where FRM, you know, gets him up there in strategy. Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, you're you're completely right. And honestly, the most wild card winners would be like Kamui Kobayashi winning this weekend, and then Watkins Glen, like if Jensen Button is running it, him winning the race. You know, those are like real wild card winners there. No, I'll but take, yeah, yeah. I'll take a Shane Van Gisbergen and wild card winner. You know, that another winner. one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wins yeah. Uh, has a 100 winning record. First two yeah. races. Daytona, anything. Yeah, I would take it. I would take a big fight at Daytona. Uh, <laughs> I didn't catch what you said there. What did you say there at the end? I said JJ Yaley at Daytona. Oh, okay. Yes, yes. Uh, Rick Ware making their last push, a minute push to the playoffs. Yeah. We we, um, we kind of we kind of fly under the radar that if Ty Dillon were to win Daytona, he'd be in the playoffs. Well, they got rid of the thirty top 30 in points rule and, and I, yeah. I didn't even look at the bottom of the points selling 32nd 266 points back and he could win daytona and there you go 16 
He'd fight he would make it far, but he'd, he'd make it. <laughs> he would make it. Um, I'm, no, I'm calling late playoff run, honestly. Uh, maybe round of eight. Goes all the way. Yeah. Um, yeah, so, yeah, he would make it over his brother and everything, three car. And uh, <laughs> that would be crazy. Um, oh, over Corey LaJoy, imagine that. Um, yeah, I don't uh, – what was your original question again? Yeah, yeah, would I want to see the fight at Daytona, right? Um, yeah, I guess I would. Um, I would say so. Unless, like, this weekend was one, like, we got best of both worlds, I guess. Um, because, well, what Brad would push out, Brad would be pushed down to, what, 15? And then we'd have one driver left, 16th? Yeah, Brad would be down. So the way it is right now is that yeah. Kevin Harvick and Brad Kozlowski are essentially locked. They're at 180 plus 168. So the only reason that one of them could go out, they they clinch if there's no new new winner this weekend. So okay. yeah, obviously. because if somebody won, then Brad would be yeah down to fifteenth, um, and then him and Kevin would be in a points battle if there was another new winner at the Glen and then another new winner at Daytona, and exactly. then Brad could be out. Um, so if yeah, the winner this weekend, both of them clinch. Okay, all right. So yeah, no, I would take um, I'd take the best of both worlds, I guess. Maybe if you're talking somebody out of the fight this weekend, maybe like an AJ Allmendinger, that would make it pretty interesting. He's run it good at some points during the, during the year. I would take that kind of win. Um, I don't know if he's been so great on the road courses. I feel like he's been kind of showing out on the ovals a little bit more often. Um, yeah. Obviously are more been pretty balanced this year. Surprisingly, like, yeah. you know, they have been, they've been good on the road. There's like top five, top 10, not dominant, um, but very balanced this year. I mean, even at the super speedways, I think even at Michigan, he was running top 10 at one point. So I'm, I'm definitely very impressed by them for, for colleague as well. Cause they're still, they're still new and they're still getting off to a start, uh, here in the cup series. Um, but for, you know, for Almendinger to run as good as he has for that team and as consistent as he has very impressive. Yeah, I would say so. It, it was a, uh, it was exactly what I was wanting from colleague you know, with AJ, you know, not just to run good at the road courses when they kept on saying, now we got this guy, we can make it in the playoffs with the guy who's always going to uh, be good at a road course, be competitive, potentially win. That's great and all, but that's very AJ Allmendinger at JTG Dartery. Uh, like you're all you're banking on is this two road courses and now these six road courses. And I just don't like that approach because that's not a way to necessarily build a team. You're pretty much telling your team it's like, all right, well, we're going to be really good here. We're going to put our focus here, but the ovals are going to be kind of mediocre. And I feel like the, the balance has been great for him. And that put him in a position where just a couple of weeks ago, maybe a month ago now, he was in, you know, the playoff picture. He was in that, you know, box that NBC shows their graphics after every race. And he was in that picture with Ty Gibbs and all them um, around 16th place. I'm not sure if Allmendinger ever entered the top 16, but um, yeah, I think AJ could definitely be a player here. Um, obviously, he won the Watkins Glen. Uh, I'm, I'm sorry, the Indy Road Course race in 2021. So I think there's uh, there's a chance he's going to be running up front. I would imagine top seven, top eight. I would I would say so. Even with the other variables that come to the race, Shan Van Gisbergen and um, Kamui Kobayashi, who I really don't know how he's going to run exactly. Not too familiar with the stock car. Um, yeah, so AJ Allmendinger I could throw in there. I don't really see any other one being realistic. Bubba Wallace wouldn't be Bubba Wallace wouldn't be a wild card. He would be like Chris Buescher winning at Richmond and just locking himself into the playoffs, considering he's already in a position to uh, make the playoffs. And I don't see him winning on a road course. I don't even believe he sees himself winning on a road course, uh, just because he has never been too competitive on them. So, uh, yeah, I would say um, for sure winning there. And then Watkins Glen, I don't see. Any kind of wild card, I see a pretty traditional winner 
Um, I could see Toyota like Christopher Bell potentially. Um, and then Daytona, I'd like to see a fight coming down to Daytona. I don't know if it was, I think it was 2018. The NASCAR playoff picture was really, really spread out. Like it wasn't exciting at all. It was the worst, you know, regular season finale um, in regards to what we were looking at for fighting to make playoffs and um, right around that 14 to 17, 18 bubble. It was like a difference of, uh, I don't even know, like 70 points. And it was like, okay, all these guys got to win. And yeah, I want to see the most excitement at a ton of, you know, we'll be there and I want to see the most crazy last minute moves to go ahead and try to win this thing, you know, and it gets everybody amped up. Like when guys are racing like that, that puts Corey LaJoy, a guy who's, you know, pretty much out of the picture, going to have to win one of these last three to sit here and say, okay, we're banking it all in here. We know these guys are going to be making crazy moves. Let's change up our strategy a little bit. So everybody's going to be on different game plans, guys that are out well outside guys that are right inside the bubble and what's better than this, like for certain guys like Michael McDowell, who's it's all still really close. He could still make it in two road courses, like you said, impressive on the road courses. Daytona could work out for him. And then you got somebody like Ty Gibbs on the opposite end of the spectrum, whose first year, his grandfather's team trying to make the playoffs. It was the 18 car with, you know, Kyle Bush, who thought that a rookie would make the playoffs right away like this again. Um, very Chase Elliott-esque, uh, probably a little less successful but the cup series is a lot more competitive right now so yeah it, you get to see a, a, a wide array of emotions and a lot of different drivers on a spectrum from old and old uh, from old and young and yeah so i think um i would take the excitement at daytona maybe one new winner this weekend for sure it's going to be exciting no matter what happens down in these last three races in daytona no matter how these uh, next two races pan out uh, Daytona is going to be very exciting. So before we kind of dive into Michigan, let's talk about, um, you know, some of the recent news waves uh, around NASCAR. Obviously, we have an opening in the 42 car now. Uh, Noah Gregson outs and there's been some news bouncing back and forth, whether he is totally out or he's just suspended. We had reports from The Athletic that he was totally out and they had parted ways. And then, you know, Legacy Motor Club came back and was like, oh, we haven't done it yet. We're just talking about it. Either way, it seems like He's not going to be back driving that 42 car anytime soon. Um, I think they're just kind of covering it up a little bit until they push put it out themselves instead of somebody else putting it out. Um, and maybe they haven't officially parted ways with him yet. Um, they're just in discussions to do so. Um, so nonetheless, no Gregson likely out of that 42 car. Who knows um, what is next for him? But it opened the door for Josh Berry to come in this weekend at Michigan. Unfortunately, crashed out. But I think the very exciting part is now we got Mike Rockefeller who drove the Garage 56 car. Uh, maybe most NASCAR fans would recognize him by that. He drove the Garage 56 car alongside Jimmy Johnson and Jensen Button. And he also drove in for Spire Motorsports last year at Watkins Glen. So he's going to get to go back to that racetrack uh, in another Chevrolet car, um, driving for a team that has really struggled this year, kind of like we noted on with Eric Jones. Legacy Motor Club as a whole has struggled this year. The 42 car has been abysmal. Um, you know, Noah Gregson currently, I was just looking, sits just above BJ McLeod in the point standing. So, um, at least he did that. Um, but you know, um, <laughs> it is safe to say BJ McLeod will pass him in the point standings. Um, but nonetheless, no, Mike yeah. Rockefeller, I think getting in that 42 will be a nice opportunity. Um, so it's going to be cool to see how they fill out that ride. Maybe Jimmy Johnson hops in the 42 instead of bringing a third entry in the 84 throughout the rest of the year. We'll see how they fill out that race car, um, throughout the rest of the year. But 
Um, I think the bigger question is what next year is going to look like. And people are already talking about that before, you know, this all happened with Noah Gregson. People were already talking about is potentially the 42 going to be an open seat next year. Noah Gregson's only on a one-year deal. They switched to Toyota. Gregson's always been a Chevy guy. Um, and so what, you know, what's going to happen here is John Hunter Nemechek, that guy that slots into that 42 Toyota is any other, you know, guy that maybe becomes a free agent slots into that 42 Toyota or were they going to ride with Noah Gregson safe to say now they're not going to ride with Noah Gregson that ride's going to be open so Eric Jones is going to be sticking in that 43 Toyota the 42 Toyota who does it go to oh who does it go to yeah um John or Nemechek I would say uh because we were looking at uh John well, he's killing in the Xfinity series right now. Very similar how he killed it in his first uh, season with uh, KBM in the truck series. Five wins in the race. Well, it's coming down to the end. However, five wins still. Um, and that's one. Austin Hill has three or four wins. Four? Okay. Yeah, so one more win than him and completely dominating the Xfinity series right now, I would say. He's picking up the pieces where Justin Allgaier is not really finishing that well. That Those are signs of being a cup driver, finishing the day, capitalizing on, on opportunity and not making mistakes. Now, uh, during the playoffs, that's when the pressure is going to be on for John. And I don't think Toyota is going to need to evaluate for him for that. I think he's suitable enough to go in the 42. And their decision is probably just based on getting sponsorship all put together and the investment in which that they think that it's suitable for John to run a full-time schedule, like getting all the sponsors put, put all in place. I would say John is definitely ready for that. Um, I think if the 19 car was available now that Martin Trix Jr. just re uh, resigned, I would imagine we're going to talk about that a little bit um, with the 19 uh, Joe Gibbs Racing for one more year, at least one more year, one year deal. I would say John was going to go there, uh, but now he is heading probably to the 42 car. Toyota needs to put him somewhere and to do another Xfinity Series season where he's done already a full time Xfinity Series season um, with the 23 car from GMS Racing. That's a blast from the past. Yeah. But yeah, but he will. Uh, yeah, he'll definitely. um He'll definitely show in that 42 car. I think he'll shine in it. It's a genius opportunity for um, for uh, Legacy Motor Club to switch to Toyota. When they made that decision, Jimmy Johnson went over there um, and made that business move to go over there. Because when you're third or fourth uh, Chevrolet team, definitely fourth, because RCR and Trackhouse are kind of intertwined there a little bit. Um, one car is running good, maybe better than the other. And then Hendrick is always the clear first Chevrolet, Toyota um, needs that third team. It needs more cars. So Legacy Motor Club, I know that wasn't your main question, but one of the most important things is that you are also opening yourself up to many more drivers in the pool as well. Sammy Smith is coming through the future and Toyota needs to be uh, available to put those guys in certain places. And John Hunter-Nemechek going at the 42 just makes complete sense. I don't see anybody else taking that ride unless they came with the big bag and John Ernie just blew up the season and ruined it all for himself. But the way it's going right now, he's going to continue winning races. And in the cup series, I would imagine he's going to come back and be successful as he was in the 38 car for uh, FRM. Yep. Well, the guy with the biggie bag sponsor is done, so he doesn't have to worry about that. But, <laughs> uh, nonetheless, uh, let's talk about Martin Tricks Jr. Like you just mentioned, kind of flew yeah. under the uh, little bit. Um, 
you know, that his re-sign through 2024 obviously made this decision a lot earlier than he did last year. Um, I think for some reasons, let's be honest, that car is at an absolute rocket ship. I think some races this year have been asked of 2016 Martin Truex Jr. They've been really dominant, really fast. Uh, now that he'll be back for Joe Gibbs Racing and they're kind of just shaping up their team again. Christopher Bell likely will be back. Uh, will will be back. Uh, Ty Gibbs will be back. Martin Truex Jr. will be back. Will be back. Denny Hamlin expected to be back. Likely going to be the same lineup next year. But Martin Truex Jr. has just had a huge resurgence this year. Not saying that they were slow last year. They just never got that win. And now to have as many wins as they have this year, obviously they've been a little bit faster because they are the points leader, likely to get the regular season championship. And one of the oldest guys on the grid is the championship favorite, I think, uh, going into the postseason. So what's this mean for Jugga's Racing to find, to get him re-signed? Obviously, like you said, they do have some hot prospects ready to jump into Cup Series when they're ready. But... I think this is the right move to get Martin Shrex Jr. locked down for another year, at least another year, because clearly he's still got it. For sure. I don't think their intention was ever to get Shrex out of the ride, right? It wasn't a Kyle Busch situation where maybe, you know, sponsorship was up in question. It's a great connection between Shrex and Bass Pro Shops. It just made sense to resign. Shrex is somebody that even said in his uh, little um, media availability during this weekend where I just don't want to stop what we're doing right now. It's a lot of fun. We're working too hard and we're working. Everything is working. It's all going good. Like they're really quick right now. Obviously, if he was having a season this year, similar to last year, where the speed wasn't always there, let's say, where they couldn't capitalize on a win and lock themselves into the playoffs, miss the playoffs again. If he was still around that questioning, uh, that question mark, I believe that it's not as fun. But this year turned out to be somewhere something where, okay, I'm in again a chance to win a championship. Let's say that doesn't happen this year. The momentum is rolling. Things are going good. Let's show up next year and try it again. Um, I think right now he is more or less the championship favorite. I think he's kind of put himself at a at a better uh, at like the sole car to win the championship, only based on the fact that he is seems to be the fastest one every week. He's being a, he's able to be uh, really quick at all different types of racetracks. It means big for Joe Gibbs Racing because John Hunter Nemechek going into that car that we just mentioned would not train as quick as Martin Shrix Jr. has, right? Yeah. John Ernie Nemechek is, like I said, very talented race car driver. But as you know, when you get to cup, especially in a big team, pressure is there. Your first season might go decent. Maybe a sophomore slump kicks in and it takes a third, uh, that third year for somebody to get, you know, their footing and potentially to win a race. We saw it with William Byron. We saw it with Chase Elliott, Kyle Larson, big names in the series now. Uh, but there's a long-term investment, and they know that, but it's not that right time for them. And Toyota obviously probably wanted um, Martin Truex Jr. back in the ride, and I'm I'm excited to see see where it goes. He said one-year deals from here on out, probably retirement next year, I would say. He wants that full retirement tour, maybe, that too. Martin doesn't seem like that, that kind of guy, but maybe he does want that. And, yeah, I would say 2024 is definitely – that's where it's like, okay, this guy's getting a little bit older. He probably wants some time to himself. He's been making jokes about buying that boat or whatever. And he's been buying it almost for the last five, six, seven years or whatever as a joke. But um, yeah, it's a uh, it's a, it's a good move for Jokic Racing. It was the obvious move. If Martin wanted to resign, you resign Martin. Exactly. Exactly. So Martin Tricks Jr. back. And uh, obviously we know he's a skilled road course driver. So I think he'll still have the opportunity to be a top contender this weekend. Um, and, you know, next week at Watkins Glen as well. So really quickly, since I guess we're on a timer here um, to wrap up, um, we got 
Indianapolis road course coming up this weekend. And I'll list off the wild card names for you real quick. We got Jensen Button racing. We got Brody Kostecki racing. I believe that's how you say it. He races in supercars for RCR. Mike Rockefeller, newly crowned the driver of the 42. Andy Lally in the 51. Uh, Kamui Kubiachi. I'm going to have to get used to saying that. I think that's Kamui Kobayashi. Something like that. Um, And then Shane Van Kobayashi, yep. In the 91. I just say Kobayashi, and I'll just keep it at that. Um, yeah. So, nonetheless, we got a lot of wild card drivers. We got the playoff bubble. We got, you know, your normal top contenders. You got people in must wins for the playoffs. You got so many great storylines going in this weekend. Who do you think gets the job done? Who do you think has strong runs? And what do you expect from Indianapolis Road Course? Possibly the last one for the Cup Series. Who knows? Oh, yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, I guess I never thought about it only because I wouldn't really miss it too much, I would say. Yeah. No, I wish would come Keep back already. Keep Xfinity there, put Cup on the oval, just like 2020, in my opinion. Okay, fair. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if they want to commit to that, but I do think the Xfinity series looks good on the road course. Yeah, yeah I think um, a good run for anybody there. <clears throat> I think Daniel Suarez is going to be strong. First off, I know that they have to show up. They're rolling with momentum off of Rick, uh, Michigan. I think the 99 could be pretty good. Shan Van Gisbergen is back, so that might ignite the team a little bit. They might have been talking since the last race. Daniel might have been looking at his footage, getting a little bit better, um, using the clutch a little bit, and just entering a corner and getting out of a corner a lot quicker like Shane was able to do at the Chicago Street Course. Um, I think Ty Gibbs is going to show up uh, pretty good again. He's always been historically good on the road courses in the Xfinity Series. I'm not exactly sure his uh, cup stats on road courses so far this year. But the 54 has been getting faster all summer, like we noted last week. And I think he could be a, a, a upfronting uh, upfront contender. My pick, though, I'm going to have to go with who I haven't even thought about all day. Um, I'm going to go wild card and I'm going to say the guy that gets it done. So Daytona's set up to be crazy. I'm going to take the 99 car. Let's say Daniel Suarez gets it done. All right, so we're going to be heading to the Indianapolis Road Course race this weekend. Obviously, we've been talking about we got three races left until the playoffs, but I think this race kind of is just its own little beast here because you got a lot of wild card drivers. You got drivers on the playoff bubble um, that are trying to point their way in. You got drivers in must win situations. Um, you got top contenders in the point standings. Maybe there's still there's still a little bit of a battle for the regular season championship. So we'll see how that pans out. But first, let's go over kind of the wild cards that are in this event. Uh, it's like we say, the guys on on a part time schedule that are just running this race to have some fun. We got a star studded field. Um, you know, we starting off with Jensen Button in the 15. This is his third career NASCAR Cup Series race. And then you got Brody Kostecki coming from Supercars in Australia, the same realm as where Shane Van Gisbergen comes from. He's running his first career road course race, uh, NASCAR Cup Series race for Richard Childress Racing. Mike Rockenfeller kind of coming along, driving his second career NASCAR Cup Series race, but he ran uh, the Garage 56 race like we had mentioned before in this show, filling in in the number 42. Andy Lally, veteran in NASCAR, driving the 51. Kamui Kobayashi, driving that number 67 for 2311, racing his first NASCAR Cup Series start and the second for that number 67 team. And then last but not least, Shane Van Gisbergen trying to go back-to-back in the number 91. So like I said, even outside of that, so many crazy contenders that we could have in this race, lots of storylines. Who are you looking out for this weekend and what do you expect at the Indianapolis Road Course? Yeah, first off, an absolute star-studded field, as you mentioned. I just counted, I believe it's six nations represented, um, which we usually only have two. So this is uh, exciting. And yeah, um, for me, I've been looking at, obviously, the track house racing cars. 
Chastain. I'm particularly particularly looking at his teammate, Rasha, uh, Daniel Suarez, who needs a big day. Um, he needs a win to really get in the playoffs here. I would say I'm not exactly sure his standings uh, position. Where is he right now? Um, Daniel Suarez playoffs. Needs a big day. Oh, he's only minus five, right? He's in the playoff picture now a little bit. Um, he had a great Michigan race, rolling off a lot of momentum over there. Coming into this weekend, I think Shane Van Gisbergen, obviously the third track house racing car with Project 91. I think Daniel has been learning a couple things from him over the last couple of weeks, probably looking at his data, probably looking at his footage, seeing how he can roll into the corner and get out of the corner faster than everybody else like Shane did at the Chicago street course race. I think Daniel's probably been studying that. I would hope he is because he already has talent there. Uh, I'm not saying he doesn't have talent at the ovals, but when you're fast at road courses, undeniably quick, and then you get fast race cars there. And now you got a guy coming outside uh, the, the whole uh, operation teaching you how to be quicker or potentially teaching you how to be quicker. If you look at his footage and you look at his data, which obviously track house has all that information, they're going to use it to their advantage. I think Daniel's probably my race pick right now. I was looking at some other guys where maybe AJ Allmendinger can come into the, come into uh, play. Those are obviously just like, you know, excitement wins for me. Those are guys that, you know, we wouldn't traditionally think that would win the race. Um, I think also, Tyler Reddick in the 45 car, I'll take your pick from last week, maybe. I would throw him in the mix as well. Uh, won that race uh, last year. So, yeah, I think uh, Penske could have a decent day as well. I think maybe they could run up front a little bit. I think last year they may have run pretty decently well. Joey Logano, I know, is not always a top contender on the road courses. Hendrick could have a, also another top 10 day. Kyle Larson had that break issue last week. I mean, last year. Um, Chase Elliott could run up front. I don't bet on it uh, or run run up in the top three. I could say he runs in top five, top ten. Yeah, but right now I'll take Daniel Suarez. The momentum is on his side. He needs the win. They'll throw anything at it. And, uh, yeah, they'll push for it. And I think he's – if he's smart, he's been prepping for it pretty well. And this is this is the road course where it's like not everybody has everything figured out. I'll Sorry, you got to add it out there. Did I cut out? Just, just at the end, it could have been me or you, but yeah, just definitely make yeah. back up on what you were saying. Yeah, yeah excellent. The Indy Road Course is a great race, opposed to Watkins Glen, where a lot of teams have data and notebooks and strategies already figured out at Watkins Glen because of how long we've been going there for. Indy Road Course is definitely fresher on the schedule. It's newer. Daniel could take advantage of that. Uh, Trackhouse Racing could take advantage of that, and they could potentially win another race, the third race, of the, their third win of the season. Their idea is to get Daniel in the playoffs. Not to hark on Daniel too much, but NBC even touched on it. Is this guy in a potential uh, champ, uh, potential uh, seat losing position? Is he on the hot seat? Is could he lose his ride? I don't believe so. I think uh, Trackhouse believes in him, but a win would for sure help if he just makes the playoffs this year. That would. Definitely guarantee his uh, seat there, maybe for the next two years, depending on how next year goes, of course. But a win would lock him in. It would make the team really happy. And it would show that, hey, Daniel, uh, Ross can win here. I can win here as well. We both have one win coming into the playoffs. Kind of evened out the scales a little bit. And now we got to run with momentum into the playoffs. And it would be a win so close to the playoffs where he could be potentially like Chris Buescher 
one of the hottest names in the series, right? Like Chris is coming in with a ton of momentum. Chris is going to enter the playoffs and people are thinking about a round of eight uh, deep playoff run for him. If Daniel enters with a win, some good races towards the end of the year, Watkins Glen could be another good win, a good, a good race. Um, and then Daytona could be another good run for him too. That just gets things in your stride and you keep going forward and potentially a deep playoff run for the 99. But yeah, Daniel Suarez is my race pick. Tyler Reddick will be right there this weekend, I believe. I'll take Daniel for the fun of it. I'm excited to see how it goes for him. Exactly. I think Daniel Suarez is a great pick. He's right there in that playoff cut line. A win would, you know, mean so much to them uh, for sure. And uh, I think, I think AJ Allmendinger is going to be my race pick uh, personally. I think that, you know, he's been really strong at the Indianapolis workforce over the years. He won there back in 2021 uh, when he was on a part-time schedule. And so I think that he would uh, potentially be able to get the job done. I think there's a lot of great contenders you threw in there. Could Daniel Suarez get the job done? Um, I think so. Is he on the hot seat? Possibly. Um, we, we, we like to not think so, but um, I think that Suarez uh, would most likely be back in that card next year. Um, and I think he does make the playoffs. I think they end up pulling it out here. Towards oh, really? The- okay. Yeah. But good, yeah. Um, I think AJ Allmendinger, I think would be my race pick this weekend. I definitely am watching those guys, uh, those ringers, as you say, Kopiyashi. Um, it's interesting to see how good he does, how good of a piece 2311 brings for him. Is Van? It was Van Gisberg and one hit wonder. Does he back it up here at the Indianapolis road course? And how well does Jensen Button continue to progress in that number 15? And how well does Bertie Kostecki do? Is it just a supercars thing where these guys are coming over and doing really well? Or is Shane Van Gisbergen really just that guy? Or is Brody going to come over and wheel that 33 car to a really good finish this weekend? Um, I think he's definitely very capable of it. So a lot of great storylines this weekend. A lot of great things to follow. I can't wait to see how the race unfolds. Everybody better tune in on Sunday on NBC um, to the Indianapolis road course race. Um, and it's going to be definitely a thriller. Um, very excited to see how that pans out, how the rest of this playoff picture pans out. Um, it's going to be very exciting. So glad to talk about that. Such an exciting race here in just the second episode um, of the Pace Lap podcast. Uh, anything? So Almendinger is your pick, right? Sorry, I just want to make Almendinger sure. Almendinger is my pick. Yes. Okay, cool. be my pick. If you're going with Suarez, I'm going with Almendinger. Okay, cool. We're going with some wild card picks here a little bit. Oh, yeah. But just... I like it. No, I was saying... Um, you know, I think it's great to have, um, you know, to talk about such a prestigious race like this on the second episode of the Pace Labs here. We got a great race coming, very historic race, in my opinion. Like you said, all the nations that are represented um, yep. in this event. Going to be very exciting. Anything else you'd like to add, my man? Nothing much, except I think last year we had seven for this race or Coda. The I'm not Glenn. exactly sure. If I, I think it was the Glen. Oh, it was the Glen. Okay, it was yeah. the Glen. Yeah, the seven. Rain, yeah. The rain affected the Glen with uh, with Kimmy uh, raking it in that one. Oh, that's right. Yes, Kimmy in the in the ninety one. Yep, 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 yep. Gotcha. All right. Yeah, yeah. So six nations represented. That's awesome. Um, obviously, we like other racing series like IndyCar and F one, and they have so many uh, drivers from all over the world. So it's great to see some uh, diversity that way in, in NASCAR with some different uh, flags represented for sure. Exactly. Going to be really exciting to see how the race pans out. We'll be back here. Next week, wherever, no matter no matter where the uh, place, location, time, we'll be back next week to talk about the race, talk about Indianapolis, preview Watkins Glen, because I'm sure there's going to be a lot of things to come out of this weekend. Maybe some more stuff we're hearing about next year as well, um, as well as the exciting race that we're going to watch this weekend. So very excited to get back to it next weekend. Uh, episode two of Pace Laps in the books. We'll see y'all next week.
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.